0: From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app, Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel, Kim Cunningham, meteorologist and social media manager at Agora Pulse, Jen Watson, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator, Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn Storm spotter and chaser, Phil Johnson.
1: Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast. Uh, If you happen to be checking us out, uh, maybe you're a first-time listener or viewer, I encourage you to go to stormfrontfreaks.com because that's where you're going to be able to find uh, links and access to all of our other previous shows uh, with with famous guests from the weather industry we've had on people in the past like Australian Storm Chaser, Daniel Shaw, you can check out that show, uh, National Severe Storms Lab, uh, Harold Brooks has been on as well. So just a, a wide variety of, of different weather folks, but we're excited tonight. Because this is episode 91, but most importantly, we've got meteorologist at the University of Oklahoma's Office of Emergency Preparedness, uh, Dr. Kevin Kleisel is with us tonight. Um, so Kevin, I, and, and you know what, I might have mispronounced it, Kevin Kleisel? Perfect. Kleisel. He, I got the thumbs up on Kleisel. So, all right, we'll get it right on the second time, but we're going to have fun because with Kevin, not only do we have some great questions uh, to find out about what he does and and how we got there, but also we're going to do our, our lightning round with Kevin, which is always fun. And then stay with us because we have hashtag weather fools and some WX resources to share with you too uh, before things are all done. But one of the things we got to do is we got to introduce and find out who's actually with us tonight and find out uh, from our co-hosts. And the way we do that is to let you know when we record, I don't know about you, but when we record, it's always happy hour. Uh, so step up to the bar. We encourage you to join us as long as you're not driving or at work. <laughs> and uh, MJ, I'm going to start with you up in uh, Minnesota here this happy Halloween. What are you drinking? All right, everybody. It,
0: I'm back to my usual Michelob uh, Amber Bach. It's a uh, fine brew for this time of
1: year. Yeah, it's good. I was worried last episode because you were into something. What was that? You were Modelo? Uh, or? Modelo. Uh, you, Modelo. Yeah, you were out. Yeah. Out of your normal boundaries, I was kind of I, concerned a little bit. I was what at, was
0: at the a day? lake, it was it was in the fridge, so there
1: you go. <laughs> From so you 1993. Go <laughs> right. Maz, Maz, what, uh, what are you joining us with? Final tonight?
2: day of October, so we're doing the Oktoberfest. There oh, you go. Cheers. Yes, thank you. Cheers but there's for more that. than one left in the fridge. So, so you, got, you
1: got some work to do tonight. Then, I do, I do. Uh, we are excited to announce tonight, uh, we have a new co-host that's going to be joining us. And uh, he is from Saskatchewan up there in Canada. Uh, it is Storm Chaser. And he is also uh, the, the what do you call it? I mean, you, from Tornado Hunters. He's like the yeah. star of Tornado Hunters. But anyway, That's Greg a Johnson, word. who's been with us for a couple episodes, <laughs> he is now actually joining us as a co-host. So, Whew. Greg, uh, welcome officially. Oh, man. Now, as part of the team, there's no honeymoon anymore, so you're not a guest, so uh, be prepared for my wrath when your internet so, goes down. But what are you drinking?
3: Well, you know, it, the, I am the guy from Canada on the show, so I'm <laughs> drinking guy. Canadian Canadian whiskey, uh, Crown Royal, and I'm mixing it with uh, some Canada Dry Ginger Ale. Awesome. Oh, nice.
1: Wow, you're really going Canadian. Yeah, huh?
3: yeah. I I'm going gonna... to throw in a few A's and uh, boots and stuff like that. Uh,
2: so. I thought he was mixing uh, oh, CC with Windsor or something else. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> that's that's potent.
1: And, and so with our guest, we tell our guests, you know, this is all done digitally. But if we had a green room, we would fully stock that fridge. So we invite our guests to join us if they want. Kevin, I've got a... Uh, Strange feeling that you might be joining us tonight at the bar. What are you drinking?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. It is Shiner Bach this evening. And uh, of course, that is the beer that goes through thousands of quality checks daily. So, uh, from my homeland down near Shiner, Texas, um, it is Shiner Bach tonight. Nice.
1: Impressive. So, are you saying something about Greg's choice of alcohol, not going through a lot of? What are you saying about the Canadians? There, it, may, you know?
4: it may go through thousands of quality Canadians daily, but uh, Schneider <laughs> is the only one that goes through thousands of quality checks. And what are you right. drinking, Phil?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm drinking uh, Fret. This is a brewery here near us in Cincinnati in uh, Blue Ash. Uh, it's Fretboard is the brewery, but this is Klosterman Rye Beer. Klosterman is a bakery, and it's a rye beer, uh, rye lager, seasoned and brewed with caraway seeds. Very tasty. Interesting. Chunky. Makes it chunky, chunky. Right? No, it does taste like you're, you're drinking bread, though, right? It's like oh. a meal. meal mm. in a can. So right. let's get to Kevin's uh, official and, and great introduction, Maz. All right. Thank you, Phil.
2: So Dr. Kevin Claysell, meteorologist, University of Oklahoma, Office of Emergency Preparedness. Kevin is responsible for pro- providing weather forecasts and weather safety information to the OU Office of Emergency Preparedness before during and after weather threats of all types on the OU campus. In addition, Kevin serves as the director of the Oklahoma Climatology Survey. And uh, do you moonlight as a janitor then, too? you got lots of titles yes, going on absolutely. there. Yes,
4: absolutely. I drive a Zamboni as well,
2: yes. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite job that you do? Or can uh, you say?
4: For what I'm doing at the moment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Drinking?
4: Yeah, sure. <laughs> that works. So...
2: So how did you get to be those various different roles? How does that come into- Oh man, Uh,
4: by total accident, right? My uh, PhD back in the day was on marine stratocumulus and I don't think I've looked at marine stratocumulus in 20 plus years. So uh, we kind of identified a need at the University of Oklahoma that we have a lot of outdoor activities, uh, over 300 a year. That's everything from athletics to graduations, uh, and in the heart of Tornado Alley, we really, I think, we were uh, sort of remiss in doing all of the prep work, the emergency management kinds of things that you need to do. Uh, but thankfully, our university has very much embraced this concept of being safe on our campus. Uh, and now I have the best job in the world. And that is to keep the 39,000 people on our campus, that small city, uh, as safe as we possibly can from every imaginable weather threat and uh, it has been absolutely a a joy to work with all of the various departments on campus as a as a faculty member you know you you get to work with your own faculty and students but on the emergency preparedness side i get to work with everybody on campus students faculty staff student organizations athletics you name it uh it's an absolutely it's an absolute joy to work with those people
2: what's the What's the most memorable safety issue that you've had on campus? <laughs> uh,
4: every time we have a tornado warning in the vicinity, uh, we do approximately in last year we checked uh, over eleven hundred hours on our campus sitting in a watch warning or advisory, uh, eighty two days with lightning in the vicinity where we had to take action, one hundred and twenty two days with a weather threat. So about one every three days in central Oklahoma, there is some sort of weather threat. Uh, so they're almost too numerous to mention. It's why I mentioned earlier, it's whatever's going on now, right, which is uh, freeze warnings and advising facilities and, and intramurals and things like that. So it's it changes, right? And that's what I love about it. It's no two days are ever the same, uh, and that keeps everything fresh.
2: It's amazing anybody makes it to class with all that going on.
4: You know, they would rather not. I mean, I get things all the time, Uh, you know, why aren't you canceling this or canceling that or uh, gosh, the hashtag make the call. If we ever have snow in the forecast, uh, I just my phone blows up with texts and phone calls and you name it. So, yeah, if I can stay away from hashtag make the call, that's awesome.
1: Do you have anybody else that helps you with that, Kevin, in, no. in your department?
4: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm flying solo on this. I'm like my own weather service office, 24-7, 365. So that's something we're working on on campus uh, is what does this look like going forward? I think we've proven the utility of doing it. Uh, and now I'd love to hire some folks, uh, some recent graduates. And I think we're working towards that. So that'll be good.
3: Kevin, I got to ask, uh, Oklahoma how many days a year would snow or ice be a thing? Like I I get the tornadoes, but Snow and ice, really? Yeah, the it's not so much
4: snow actually here. Unfortunately, this last several years it's been more the freezing drizzle, freezing rain thing, which is a little bit more dangerous with the way people drive around here. So, uh, and I don't mean to throw everybody under the bus, but the fact is, is that <laughs> it's not Canada, right? Uh, so we have to be very, very careful. Uh, and it's probably five to seven days a year that we have to deal with those kinds of things. I think more importantly, just Cold, right? When you get bitter cold air, even if you don't have precipitation, we have a lot of things that are on campus that are cold sensitive, and you do not want the power going out when you have people doing millions and millions of dollars of research uh, and having research projects ruined, for example. So uh, preparedness is a big deal, even in cold weather as well.
2: Right? Have they ever had like the day when they're like,
4: Kevin? Yes,
2: your picture. both
4: sides. Uh, one of the really cool things about our text notification system to campus is that people can reply to it. And I don't think, except I'm about to reveal something if anybody's watching, if they reply to it, one, I see it and two, I know exactly who it's from. So, uh, So the kinds of things that I get when we cancel school are crazy, right? Everything from I wanna kiss your toes to, I mean, it's just nuts. Uh, to when we are back in school, it is the biggest F-bomb fest you have ever seen in your life. Um, you would think that I have just wronged everybody, uh, you know, have become the most unsafe individual in the history of the planet. So, it, Kevin, it's both, Kevin both,
3: what's both, what's that threshold? What's that cold threshold for shutting things down? So
4: cold thresholds will depend on whatever is going on on our campus. Uh Usually we've got to get well below zero if we're dealing with a closure just because of cold. Uh, but boy, the ice thing—if if there is a single flake, we had flurries the other day, and people were calling and asking if we were going to cancel. So <laughs> okay. it, yeah, it's crazy.
1: You have have the- you been propositioned yet uh, on social media for canceling?
4: Uh-huh. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a, there's a rumor floating around that a rather large tip jar is in my office. And uh, I have had people come by with cash and gifts and things like that because they have an upcoming exam or something that they really need to have canceled. So, yes, it's been a little weird that way.
3: With great power comes great responsibility, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> I guess. It's
2: kind of funny
4: sometimes. So, But Craig, like I said, no two days are ever the same. Greg, so.
2: what's the threshold in Canada, like minus 40? Uh,
3: actually our kids, uh, so I, my kids are still in the public school system Well, one's in university now, but, um, they still go out, outside for recess. If it's at minus 20, that's their, their, their cutoff. So we had, uh, last year in February, we had about five days where the kids didn't go to school at all. It was just, uh, no school day, but it was because of cold weather. Uh, but in the month of February, they did, they did not go outside for one recess.
2: So Kevin, take that, man.
3: Yeah, I know. We're, we're soft. We are soft. I can, I can say that. So,
1: All right. So, Kevin, I, I don't know if, if everybody knows this like I do, but for, for however it is, and this is what I want to find out, you have developed a, a quote unquote expertise in large event and sporting event weather safety planning. Yes. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm, I've got some questions about that, but, but first and foremost, I really want to find out how, how did you develop that? I mean, a lot of the things you're talking about in your background leading up to what you're doing now at the university of Oklahoma, maybe didn't have a history in large event planning. So, so where did that all come from? How'd you develop that following and that expertise?
4: Well, it's really weird because we have made it as meteorologists so easy for people to be their own meteorologists, right? The the apps that are out there and everything else. And so by empowering individuals to be their own meteorologists, we have also empowered them to make mistakes. Uh, And those mistakes have gotten people killed. And, you know, Mm -hmm. all the way back to the Indiana State Fair stage collapse, heck, we can go all the way back to a you know, May 1929 game between the Yankees and the Red Sox where people were killed at Yankee Stadium. So uh, there's been a long history of people trying to do things on their own. And all we did is really at OU as we started formalizing expertise and bringing that to the actual problem of large event space. And uh, one thing led to another. We started hosting a severe weather summit in Norman for event managers. And we had Just some great people come. Unfortunately, most of the people come after there's a disaster. So, for example, after the Georgia Dome gets hit by a tornado, people show up. Or after a NASCAR event has a lightning hit, they show up, uh, you know, et cetera. But, man, we've got some fantastic working relationships uh, across the space that includes the NFL, NASCAR, et cetera. We still have a ways to go in Major League Baseball, uh, but we're starting to see significant changes with the NCAA, and I am absolutely thrilled about that.
1: Who, who's got of of all of those sports so I'm I'm looking more on the sports end of things who, who do you think of all the associations and leagues and entities who do you think's got the best I think weather plan right now?
4: NFL, without a doubt, and I think a close second is now NASCAR. Of course, they've had some you know, some issues in the past, but my goodness gracious. Uh, Troy Wilrick, who was at the Daytona International Speedway, he and I met uh, years ago, uh, and they have developed maybe one of the most sophisticated plans uh, for safety, and it's something that is now a model for everybody to use, and that is this emphasis on minutes, not miles, right? We get so fixated on a mile radius around a venue, six miles, eight miles, 10 miles, whatever it is, but that doesn't take into account the speed of the storm, the size of the crowd, the evacuation time from whatever venue it is, and in many cases what we observed is most people were using the same exact plan, whether it was a football game, a concert, or whatever, Uh, and you can't do that, right? The demographics of those crowds are very different if you have a, you know, a concert versus a football game versus whatever it is. So Uh, Daytona has been at the lead of this and part of this is all under the umbrella of the Event Safety Alliance, uh, which is an organization that came out of the Indiana State Fair stage collapse. I am honored to be a part of the uh, Event Safety Alliance uh, teaching team. We have workshops every year. Uh, We do this in various places around the country. We just had one in Canada. There's now an Event Safety Alliance Canada. I was just in Toronto. Uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, doing a severe weather summit for many of the, the folks that have venues there as well. And it's, it's just taken off. We have thousands of venues that have gone through the training.
3: So Kevin, I have a, a specific to Canada. Well, I shouldn't say specific to Canada, specific to, uh, concerts, outdoor facilities where there, you know, there isn't a stadium like you have at a football game. Uh, we've had a couple not- notable events in Canada with stage collapses where people were killed. Um, how, how? What do you do when you've got thirty thousand people uh, in an outdoor venue, no uh, actual shelter facilities? What is the pro? Like, what, what, what could possibly be done in that situation? Well, there. What's interesting, and I'll go back to Indiana.
4: Uh, if everybody is familiar with the twenty eleven Indiana yeah. uh, State Fair stage collapse, the Sugarland yep. concert, yep. there was a Philharmonic concert that night at a venue that was outdoors with no shelter. Uh, And the same storm system hit that venue just like it hit the Indiana State Fair. Nobody was killed at the Philharmonic because they knew how much time it took to get everybody out of that venue and to safety and acted proactively with the help of private meteorological services, with the help of the weather service. So they, they embraced professional meteorological expertise and a well written plan to know exactly how long it took and you can do that right that's something that of course ottawa blues fest back in the day also 2011 uh you know, i i that one was interesting because again nobody really knew back in 2011 that we were capable in the meteorological realm of providing lead time for those types of hazards lightning wind etc Uh, To get everybody to safety, whether that safety is vehicles, whether it's buses, uh, you know, whether it's substantial shelter like Indiana State Fair Stage, uh, that area had. Uh, So it depends on the venue. This is why nobody, if somebody asks me for our emergency plan for our stadium, for a football game, some other university is, they ask me that all the time. Can we have your plan? I'm like, no. I will help you with your plan, but our plan won't work for your place. You have a different stadium, you have different people, different surrounding buildings. Maybe you don't have surrounding buildings, which is going to increase your lead time that's needed. So it's uh, it's very much door to door. It's not one size fits all, and uh, we're continually doing the door to door thing. And, and you, our- get, do you
3: get you get you get much pushback.
4: Yes, uh, but we have also received now working with these folks over the years, a level of trust that they understand that what we're trying to do is not ever be the office of no. We want to be the office of let's have it, but let's have it safely. Masters final round is a perfect example of that, right? It's we're going to move from the afternoon into the morning, right? Against everybody's church schedule, Sunday at Augusta,
1: but with Tiger leading
4: with Tiger leading. Right. <laughs> but that thing went flawlessly because the you know, the the capabilities that we have in the now cast realm to pinpoint better than we ever have been able to before the arrival of convective storms, whatever it is, uh, allowed that to go off without a hitch. And then, of course, they had to do the evacuation, but they did the evacuation after the tournament was over. Right. It was still the people out on the course that were kind of milling around after the event had that event going on as planned. You were talking about a delay right smack in the middle of it. Who knows what happens, right? If they have to go to the next day, the the nature of the course changes because it's got rain on it and everything else. So uh, Tiger Woods was very much at the mercy of the meteorologist for that epic, heroic moment
2: that he had. How do you plan for evacuations for one event you know, like there's probably not a lot of drinking at the Philharmonic, right? You know, you get the blues fest and you're like, okay, we better add 10 more minutes for people stumbling, trying to get out. How do you do that for different events? You practice at the expense of others and you time
4: it when you are not weather impacted. Every event has an evacuation. Every one of them, right? People come to event. They all come at different times. They don't all get there at the same time, but I guarantee you at a concert, a football game, a baseball game, everybody's going to leave at the same time when it's over. And that's when you start the clock and you end the clock. And now you have at least a baseline metric that you can work with. Mm. Uh, And so time the times when you're not impacted, right? Practice at the expense of those wonderful opportunities you have when you're not weather impacted so that you know exactly how long it takes to clear that facility. Um, we do that with football. We do that with baseball. We do that with everything on our campus. And we've taught that to our, uh, our friends and colleagues at places like Daytona and, and NFL, et cetera.
2: What's the fastest and what's the slowest, slowest.
4: Oh man, it depends, right? There's a huge, like for example, Rocklahoma, Oklahoma, which is a rock concert out here in, in the middle of rural Oklahoma, uh, that can take 30, 40 minutes to get everybody into a safe place a football game at our place, we're down to about 15, 18 minutes. That's a pretty quick egress. Of course, those folks all want to get back out to their tailgates and, you know, those kinds of things. So they're not hampered by, you know, sort of this pressure over them that they have to evacuate. But what we've observed is that in the actual evacuations due to weather for some of our events, they do occur more quickly than the times, you know, where people are just sort of
1: So one, one other question, Kevin, along with what you talked about earlier, a great plan you said now is starting to have and be based on time and not distance.
4: Yes, absolutely.
1: Which, which I would, I would agree a hundred percent that my question is obviously the challenge there is you've got to have probably someone that can make that call on the time because it's easy on distance, right? You can get any app, you can get any service, That'll tell you, here's where the lightning strike happened. It happened X amount of miles away. But those apps don't share, or those, I guess, services don't share time. Right. And so you got to have somebody. So how do you foresee that happening when there are places that don't have ability to have like you on campus to make those calls?
4: One, I always tell them that one professional, a professional meteorologist for perpetuity, is less expensive than one wrongful death suit. Are they willing to pay for it, though? Yes, they are now because they see the value, right? And they, they, they think it's more expensive than it is. And to take that load off of them when you've got somebody who's not a meteorologist, I mean... If something bad happens and you're a non-meteorologist using an app, the first question in the court of law is going to be, "Okay, what qualified you to make a call using this information? Are you a professional meteorologist? Mm. And if that answer is no, that deposition is going to go downhill in a real big hurry. So I think people are seeing the value both from a liability standpoint as well as from an expertise standpoint. That just like you would go get the best sound people, the best video production people, you know, the best artists you could possibly have for your concert venues. Well, let's go out and get the best meteorologists for your venue as well. Uh, and so we have a lot of folks in the private space that are now filling that role.
2: So are you going to start your own uh, training facility for people for different events around the country? You could make uh, money doing that, you know. W-
4: you know, one of the things that this is not about money, this is about safety. And uh, I, I agree with you there. That's that's certainly the case. But I think we're we're about protecting life and property. And that's that's primary. You no, know, I mean, if
2: you could train other meteorologists in the specifics of that. Yes. And I'm going to make
4: a car pay. Right. You know? And I teach a class at OU about this now. Right. I have okay. a senior class where I have 30 to 45 students each semester, uh, each spring. And that's exactly what we do. We do weather decision support forecast training.
1: So yeah, we- Matt, Maz is always trying to take always trying to take that money angle on things. Well, I get it.
2: What are you talking about? Which, which yep. is okay, but hey, oh, that-
1: St- uh, storm freaks and weather geeks, I I want everybody to know I'm pretty excited about the fact that uh, we've got a partnership uh, now with uh, Accurite, the makers of great weather stations and other uh, weather products, but especially uh, their Atlas weather station. And this is one of their newer weather stations that's that's been outstanding. I know MJ uh, he's gotten one, has uh, gotten in one of the weather stations. Is that right?
0: That's right. I've got the Atlas. He Absolutely. does. Okay. So
1: yep. w- one of the things that I hear is so great about, it, and I guess I want you to to tell me what was the, the ease and setup? Cause it sounds like it's really easy to set up and then link it online. Uh, what was that process like for you?
0: Yeah. It, I mean, it's not, it's not too bad. Yes. There's some steps you have to take and things, but they've got great documentation that goes along with that. So if you kind of follow along uh, with that, that it is actually really easy. Um, but there, you know, I won't say there isn't a little setup at the front end, but there is, but once it goes, it just works. I haven't had to do anything since I got it set up. Uh, and I have it working so that I can check it on the app. I can check it online. I can do all of that. So
1: what, what, I guess, what have you found to be most useful now that you've got that all set up and you can check out the data? What are you finding is something that you're looking at all the time?
0: You know, what's 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 nice is to just have it available anytime so I can look at it because I'm on the road quite a bit around various different places. And I'll mm, just kind of look to see what's point. it like when I'm coming home. What, what am I going to get at home? And it's exactly the kind of weather that I'm going to see when I come home, the temperature, whether it's raining, whether it's, you know, doing any of that kind of stuff. I do when, when we have rain events, I do kind of follow that, um, you know, to see how much it's raining, how much and go back and look at, you know, how much we got and how much uh, what was the per hour. Uh, rate things like that
1: and you you said you've linked that as well to uh other monitoring uh yeah
0: sites yep yep weather underground is what i use and there's a lot of people that are attached to that one and that one's kind of fun too because then you can go you can kind of compare it to your area or to other parts you know other parts of the state for me or or whatever so that's uh uh that's that's fun to take a look at cool
1: yeah, so we're excited about that. So Accurite.com, that's where you go to, to find the uh, Atlas Weather Station, a lot of the other products they have. What's also nice is they've provided for us and our listeners, you, an opportunity to get a 10% discount. So if you go to Accurite.com and you use the promo code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, uh, they're going to give you a 10% discount on all the uh, Accurite products that uh, you might want. They've got lightning detectors. They've got... Handheld anemometers, a number of things. But again, just go to accurite.com and use the code podcast for that 10% discount. So we're going to go ahead, we're going to take a break. Uh, Go ahead and get another drink. Uh, That's where I'm heading. And uh, we'll be right back uh, with more from Kevin.
0: Helicity.co is the leader in weather-themed clothing and accessories for the Stormfront Freak and you. Besides a creative line of weather-themed t-shirts, footwear, bags, and more, they also carry an exclusive line of Stormfront Freaks podcast gear and drinkware. Get a 10% discount on your entire order when you use the code SFF for Stormfront Freaks at checkout. That code again is SFF. Find it all at Helicity.co.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're with University of Oklahoma's meteorologist, Kevin Clasel. And, Clev, uh, Kevin, earlier we talked about uh, some of the associations and leagues that had some good policies, some maybe that didn't. And obviously one that you mentioned that I wanted to also bring up is Major League Baseball. I can't tell you how many times uh, we've got a segment on the show that we call Hashtag Weather Fools, where we identify people doing stupid stuff in weather situations and there's been a number of times that there's been an image of a major league baseball game going on. The stands are filled, and there is a lightning strike or multiple, as Greg's talking about, like right there. So what what what's the issue with major league baseball? Why why are they the harder ones maybe to get on board with this uh, weather emergency weather planning policy? No.
4: I, I'm not going to be able to speak to why. I, I do know that from a weather weatherful standpoint, it's on us, though. Um, whenever we see something like that, it means we haven't done our job. We haven't educated them in a way that they understand it. And uh, and sometimes we talk past each other because we can be so jargon, so technical, so those kinds of things. One of the things that we were able to do was get into the sports turf grass associations, which are where the grounds crews reside. Sure. Uh, and do a tremendous amount of education with them so that we start to think about let's not wait till the pretty colors get there, because typically that's too late because they're going to clear the umpires are going to clear the field. The grounds crew is going to have to go out and do their work. So you have to take that into account. And Major League Baseball really wasn't right. Major League Baseball was waiting till the last minute um, and then sending the ground crew out in harm's way. And that tends to be where you see those YouTube videos, right? It's Mm -hmm. typically the grounds crew that's out there in harm's way. I will say this, right? Major league baseball has put the weather decision in the hands of the umpires and the umpires are busy enough as it is, right? They're not going to be able to check weather. So they're relying typically on a non-meteorologist to help them with that, but they're not going to do that in the middle of an inning. So it's, piecemeal, right? It's in between the inning. It's in between the half inning. It's in between the inning and so on. And weather doesn't work that way, right? I mean, if if weather's out of danger at the half inning, but two outs into the bottom of that inning, now you have a weather danger. You're not going to be able to interrupt anything until the bottom of that inning. So it's too late. I will say this, the rule book, the major league rule book changed this year. There was an addendum to the rule that talks about the umpires being in control And that rule change allows teams, individual teams, to have their own severe or inclement weather safety plan that would supersede in the event of lightning, strong winds, storms, whatever the case may be. Now, I don't know that the clubs actually internalized that rule change because it's buried in the rule book. uh, But I'm hopeful that with our ability to try and let them know that this exists – that more and more teams will have a severe weather plan because the way that rule is written, it says that you have to file that weather plan with the league office before opening day. Well, it was too late to do that for this season uh, because nobody had seen the rule book right until the season started. So we're hopeful that for 2020, that individual clubs might have more robust, severe or inclement weather safety plans that can supersede uh, and maybe get us out of those situations where we see all those YouTube videos.
1: So we we've had Mace Michaels on the show, who's the meteorologist for the Minnesota Twins. They actually employ him, but I know that's unique, especially in Major League Baseball. That's rare. But have how how many? If you if you look at uh, NFL, if you look at uh, Major League Baseball, NASCAR, how many of those have a paid meteorologist on site for the team or for the home stadium?
4: Paid on site, very very rare. Uh, there are several major league clubs that have that. The problem is, is the rule book doesn't allow that individual to be of any help, really, as far as calling the game goes. Right? They can do all kinds of things before the game starts, and so we've seen cancellations before game starts and things like that. They don't have any latitude while the game is in play. That's the difference with major league baseball. Uh, NFL is running it out of New York, right? They're, they're sort of running it on behalf of everybody, uh, from the league office. Uh, NASCAR is individual sites. So Pocono, Daytona, Charlotte, Texas, et cetera. And most of those use a service.
2: What's it going to take like a bolt from the blue to get people to change?
4: Unfortunately. Yes. And I, I tell this to them all the time, right? It's going to take a light it, major league baseball. Come on. You've seen this, Right. Foul balls into the stands, bats into the stands. Then what? The reaction, the netting, and and it's it's happened with Major League Baseball. It's been sort of a reactionary operation for its entire history, and uh, I, we're trying to change that to be more proactive with respect to weather. But I tell people, right when the lightning strike hits, it's not going to be at the top of the stadium. It's not going to be on the light standard. Not going to be on the flagpole. It's going to be a a Rendon, a Soto, a you know somebody like that that's going to get killed in the outfield during a game. And then of course, you'll see all sorts of weather plans. I don't want it to get to that point. And that's why we've been so forceful trying to get folks to change. Like I said, we've been really successful in a lot of places, not as successful with MLB.
2: You know, in the old days, uh, when we were on on the air, uh, severe weather never happened during commercial breaks. So I don't know exactly what's happening these days, (laughs) but uh, I blame it on climatology.
4: Sure, (laughs) all of that, right. So, But it, it's, you know, like I said, I'm going to I'm going to uh, talk about the positives. Right. I mean, the the NFL, NASCAR, uh, NCAA, again, the NCAA just this year instituted a uh, heat, uh, a hydration and heat policy for early season soccer games and at the division one level. And that's been working fantastically. And, and hopefully that will allow us to prevent heat fatalities because heat fatalities are on the rise. Right. They're much higher than lightning fatalities. Uh, So heat fatalities, particularly in July and August, whether that is in football, high school football, NCAA, marching arts, right, the bands and things like that, we're seeing, unfortunately, non-zero numbers of fatalities every single year. And we've got to put a stop to that.
3: How about hockey?
4: No, not that (laughs) I know of, unless it's
1: outdoors. (laughs) (laughs) They deal with fog every once in a while. I hear about that. (laughs) So but, uh, you, know, you
4: mentioned hockey, though. The the was it in Ottawa? Where was it that the the arena was hit uh, by a tornado?
3: Ah, that's a good one.
4: A couple of years, couple of years back,
3: uh, it year may have it been Ottawa. There. They've had a lot of tornadoes over the last few
4: years. So, I think so. So again, it's not just the outdoor events that we're worried about. It's the the large mass, large span roof facilities, arenas, concerts, etc., that still have to have a plan in place. It's
2: probably Thunder Bay.
1: So, so Kevin, we we talked earlier about. Um, so I I'm with the athletic department at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and we are in the process right now of developing a more robust weather plan. But one of the things, obviously, we've come across that that I know you know a lot about are are trigger charts, and and can you explain to people what what is a trigger chart and what are the benefits of that when putting together any really any kind of emergency plan. Right. Uh, but certainly for weather.
4: Yeah. A trigger chart is simply an if then, then, you know, it's all it is is an if then statement. If something happens, we will do X. And the benefit of a trigger chart is that all of these discussions occur before hit. Right. They occur before the event months, you know, before. And you get everybody on the same page to agree to what those decisions are going to be. Where we see people get into the most trouble with events is that they haven't had time to think about the ramifications for whatever is happening. And so then they all get together and try and decide on site as the storm is approaching, right? And you don't have the time to do that. So a decision chart lays out how the individuals will address them. And like for a concert, Uh, That's everything. You know, when do we put the windscreens down? When do we take the, you know, the video boards down? All of those, get people away from the stage. Every one of those will have a chart that at a certain time of risk, that area will either be cleared or that function will take place. When do we notify? When do we, you know, all those things. But it's pre-done. Everything's done proactively, and it's in a playbook before you walk in. And we tell that to the sporting folks. You know, no sporting crew ever goes into a game without a game plan or a playbook. And that game plan and playbook are months ahead, right? And not the day of the game. If you try something new the day of the game, it is going to go poorly. And we see that in events all the time with weather.
3: I can't tell whether Kevin... Would be really fun at a party, or really <laughs> awful to be at a party with. The latter. Well,
1: remember, yeah, he, he's the guy that said we're 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 not the office of no, right? We're the office right. of let's try to make it work. <laughs>
4: yes, but safely, right? So that's the other <laughs> problem with a party. So, so I'm- no shooters. I'm going to be the one that walks in and says, okay, where's the emergency plan? Where's the exit? What are we doing? Uh, so.
1: and, and, then, and then he's going to help himself. What that, that's happens what if it's, we run out of beer? That's what it's going to be. Hey, so that's the sound. It is time for our lightning round. So, Kevin, this is our game show of flashy questions. We always play with our guests. Uh, what's great about this, too, is we always encourage uh, our listeners and you to play along as well. So tonight, uh, we, we've we got a little game we're going to play and I'm going to call it, let me see. I think I'm going to call it Name That Sporting Event. So Name That Sporting Event. So what this is going to be is I've got the top 10 sporting events affected by weather, and this is from RealClearSports.com. We're not going to cover all 10 of them, uh, but I've got four of them. And here's what I'm going to do, Kevin. I'm, I'm going to start with three hints. So soccer. the goal is: I want you to describe the event. What what the this name of the event? What happened? What you know what it was called or whatever. So I'm going to give you three clues, and if you don't know it yet, I'll give you another one. If you can't figure it out yet, I've got five. So I've got a total of five clues. I'm going to give you three to start with. We'll go from there. If you want some help from your your fellow freaks here, you're certainly welcome to ask for assistance. Uh, Not that they're going to help you out at all, but you never know. You're going to ask. You throw that disclaimer.
4: These are specific events, not sports, right? Specific events. Okay. Yep, specific
1: events. Okay, so well, I'll kind of help you through this. I'll I'll help you through it a little bit. So the first one, uh, here's the event I want you to try to name. This happened, uh, the year was 1992. Two teams were made to play in a virtual monsoon. I mean, it was just pouring out. And they were basically forced to have to keep playing because CBS had to televise the one game championship the next day. With those three hints, do you College happen to World know? Series. 1992 College World Series. Very good, That's correct. Oh, wow. Cal State Fullerton and uh, University of Miami. Yep. Uh in Omaha, Nebraska. Nice. So yep. So yeah, so they had to play in this this monsoon of, of a downpour. You're, because they had to get it in because they had to play find, tomorrow.
4: You're going to find TV is going to be at the root of many of the decision triggers in weather and sports. Is, is that maybe, on the
1: trigger chart? Yes. Oh, is it really? The, so some oh, people, wow. so do you guys, the University of Oklahoma is having confer with the, uh, the television production to, company?
4: We, at about 5 o'clock in the morning central time, had to wake a Fox executive up at 3 a.m. to let them know that there was no way we were going to be able to kick off a game at 11 a.m. due to lightning, so we proactively moved that game to the afternoon. That was the Oklahoma-Kansas game uh, back in 2015, which then, of course, in Fox's realm, runs into the Cal-Stanford game, which is a big deal uh, for Fox. And so, yeah, they were not happy with us at all.
1: But but they didn't they didn't they didn't get to make to the decision, did they? You just no. had to inform them of the decision. Right, yes, correct. Okay. So that's, that's a little better. All right had power. You nailed number one. number two happened in ni- uh, 1988. It was a playoff game, and the the weather affected the fans, players, and officials from being able to see anything.
4: The fog game, the Eagles, Bears, in Chicago.
1: That Dang. would be the 1988 Jeez. Fog Bowl. Yep. Hey, wait,
3: wait. Did you tell him he's not allowed to use Google for this at all? Or what? <laughs> I, I think he is. Google. I can tell. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Exactly. That's
1: impressive. All right. Two for two. Here we go. Here's the third one. Uh, this happened in 1967. So, Kevin, you're a young man. You probably weren't even born oh. then. Yeah, I was. This actually. this was a uh, this was a championship game, and one spectator actually died, and eleven members of the marching band were hospitalized.
4: That's not the Cowboys' Green Bay, is
1: it? That was kind of a question, but that is the answer, yes. It was the 1967 Ice Bowl. Uh, Dallas at Green Bay. Temperatures dropped to negative 15, which is the coldest NFL game still uh, to date. Wind chills negative 50.
4: And the next clue was that one of the players uh, had permanent frostbite.
1: Uh, that would be the sixth clue that you okay. just added. Yes, All that right. would be
3: correct. So, so how how was the person killed, Phil?
1: Uh, it was a spectator, and it was the, the cold. I don't know what it was, severe oh, wow. frostbite or something like that, but it was yeah, a spectator.
4: We see cold impacts elderly and young uh, disproportionately, and that was a situation in that case.
1: Yep. All right, so here's, here's the last one. You're on a roll, Kevin. Uh, this happened in 1982. It was a championship game. There are 27 mile per hour winds, and the wind chills were negative 60 degrees. Can you name the event? Oh, uh,
3: 82? It happened in
4: 1982.
1: I'll give you a f- hint number four. Uh, this was between San Diego and was at Cincinnati.
4: Oh, so that's an NFL playoff game.
1: Okay, I already said it was a championship game, so that yes, I'm not going to give it to you on that. Though, do you remember so the, the name of the event?
4: It is the AFC Championship game.
1: Okay, I'm not going to give it to you yet. Uh, <laughs> <It's tough. laughs> Bengals, oh, Bengals. So far, you're 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 good, but you're not naming the event. So Bengals coach Forrest Gregg played. Uh, he was the Bengals coach at the time. He actually played in that 1967 ice bowl for the green bay packers yep. but this had a name to it do you remember the name of this event
3: 1982 oh oh so they gave
4: it a name after the fact they gave it a name nice just like name. the ice bowl um, was given a name yeah uh gosh i'm blanking on that
1: so. all right any help from the the freaks i think freezer Mazier, bowl. Cincinnati. Yeah, What's that?
2: i was thinking freezer bowl
1: that was okay. it so it was the 1982 okay. freezer bowl yeah Man. So Kevin, not too bad, my friend. You're three for four yeah. out of that. that You're you raise, great. buddy. <laughs> you you even got the 1967 one, which was was a little shocking. So hey, t- tell us this, Kevin. How can people find you, follow you on social media?
4: Sure, I am on Twitter. I am at Texas Embassy. Uh, but if anybody wants to follow the my burner account, that is OU Emergency Prep. That is all of the weather information for the University of Oklahoma campus. Uh, so OU Emergency Prep on Twitter and or Texas Embassy, all one word on I Twitter. Didn't,
1: I don't even know day. what that is. What What's yeah. Burner? Wow.
4: <laughs> you know, a, a Burner account is when you have more than one account and you take on an alter ego. So uh, I have a yeah, okay, <laughs> on one and all the work That's, stuff on the other.
1: It's, it's the alternate Aervet bank Billy says, I remember you.
3: He, he's Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, hey, tell you what, we're going to take our final break. We'll be right back with uh, hashtag Weatherfools. This
4: is Harold Brooks of NOAA's National Severe Storms Laboratory, and you're listening to the Storm Front Freaks podcast. Let's take a drive under the moon.
2: Let's take a drive. All right, welcome back. Time now for Weather Fools. We've got a couple of weeks to find some more. Phil, you found three just craziness out there. In my the
1: goodness, yeah. So, so we're starting things off a little bit. Uh, what, what's, my first one is kind of a little bit of hashtag space fool. I'm going to call it hashtag space fool. I don't, I don't know if that's maybe the best way to, to describe this, but um, what happened is this is from Mike Terpstra on his Twitter. And he's sharing something from Facebook, and and Nancy mumby M- Welkie uh, on Facebook said, "Unbelievable! Look what just fell out of the sky, and 911 is baffled, and it's caught up in our tree. Well, it looks like a satellite. If you look at it, it's on the ground, it looks like it's tipped over, but it it like looks like it would have some solar panels, and landing gear from you know 1967. It but." Obviously it's not at all charred <laughs> like it hasn't gone through our earth's atmosphere at all. Uh it is just a little beat up homemade satellite. So my weather fool goes to Nancy on Facebook for her uh fake satellite that apparently fell out of the sky. All right, the next one is Spanish from Informan- Informando. This is on Twitter. And so we always we always joke about people that you know turn around don't drown issue, and because they're driving in floods, and and I'm I'm not exactly sure Santa Rosa, uh, I don't know where that is. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not. Anybody here speak Spanish that can read what that says?
2: Thought it was in California.
1: Okay, no, uh, I don't believe this is California. But they're they're not not only are they trying to go through a flood, flooded flash flooded waters down this street. I mean, it is flowing water. But if you notice what it is, it's a motorcycle. Someone tried to take a motorcycle <laughs> oh, through uh, through flooded waters, oh, or a scooter. It's a motorcycle or a scooter, and obviously they didn't make it very far. <laughs> So uh, you're you're my weather fool on that one. It wasn't and
2: a scooter. Maybe that's why I didn't give her. Hey, get off my scooter!
1: That maybe that maybe that was it. And then and then the other one, Greg. You're gonna like this. I'm gonna bring this up. This was in Canada.
3: Oh yeah, this was amazing. Did you hear about
1: this in in oh. Edmonton? There there were some high winds, and this is a video of basically someone uh, of people that were cleaning windows on this high rise, Ooh. and that somehow is insanity the platform that they were on cleaning windows broke free and it's flying Uh, all over the place. Okay. It's smashing into windows. And look, there's a guy that fell out. He's dangling, uh, by his, (laughs) by his, whatever that was. Uh, I don't know what you would call that, but he he was dangling by his harness and that had to have hurt a little bit. I'm sure Mm. he was speaking a little higher when he was all done with that. So the winds but, in
3: that storm, Phil. The winds in that storm peaked at over 170 kilometers an hour. It was wow. so. What are you doing,
1: cleaning windows in a high yeah, rise? In, crazy. In, it's gotta know, be Kevin, done. Kevin, they didn't. They didn't have no their trigger, trigger
3: chart. No triggers.
4: Yep. <laughs> and no <laughs> professional meteorologist to help them out.
1: No, God, no. I hope not. Anyway, right. But there was. All right. Th- those are my yeah. three. Oh, that all was right. it.
2: That was all three. Okay. Those are my. Awesome, three. Greg. You've got one.
3: I got one. So, Phil, you're going to throw that one up on screen. So this was the big tornado event. Tornado goes right through, uh, you know, Metropolitan, Dallas. And, uh, you know, major tornado event. Lots of warning. Anybody who says it came out of nowhere, that was not a thing at all. There was tons of warning. Yet this weather fool was filming. You can see in the
1: background, look at the roof. You can see roofs flying off off the background there. Did you notice that?
3: absolutely crazy that he's uh he's he's um you know he's filming it's like his porch like (laughs) the the, the guy's lucky to be alive and and i mean anybody who's ever been around a tornado been around storms knows like in that situation get to an interior room get away from windows and like right now i think kevin's uh kevin's blood pressure must be just kind of uh, elevated right now watching something like that
1: look at the debris flying around and then if if you do look in the background you see lightning kind of highlights you can almost maybe see a little bit of yeah. the
3: i think you can see the funnel there like yeah. circulation right there but, you, but but there's no no question that there's debris flying around and you know you know obviously there's going to be glass flying around and everything what a weather fool whoa
1: there's like you can see yeah you can see the shingles roofs, all that stuff uh, flying off the background there you don't want to get shingles man no. <laughs> that's what i heard i've heard bad things about that <laughs>
2: all right (laughs) so that's it if you couldn't see it you'll be able to see it on stormfrontfreaks.com episode 91 show notes or if you're using your podcast app your podcast app
1: that's right all right greg uh help help people uh introduce wx resources all right so wx
3: resources Uh, For those that aren't aware, WX, I just found this out myself, is a short form for the word weather. (laughs) So this is weather resources, WX resource. Kevin, don't give me that look. There's lots of things you can learn on the show. Uh, But now I'm going to do the blood pressure cup. So weather resources, this is where we get to share uh, some of our uh, you know, favorite sites, maybe uh, interesting people to follow, but just anything to do with weather that we think we can share. So my, I'm going to start this off, uh, Phil, and I'm actually going to share, since this is my first show uh, working with you guys, I'm going to share uh, my other world, which is photography. So I have a website cool. called Camera Easy, and uh, I basically teach people how to use their, their cameras. And so uh, I came to weather and storm chasing as a photographer who's learning the weather as I go. And uh, I know a lot of people that are out there chasing storms and involved. In, you know, I heard uh, Kevin talking about uh, using his phone to uh, shoot a time lapse. We're all into imagery these days. And so camereasy.ca uh, allows you to uh, learn
2: how to use your camera better. Well, sure. It's easy if you have your own owl. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a nice image of an owl. Of your home just screen. wait. You, just did wait.
3: Did, did you take that picture of the owl i assume actually it's not it's one of my one of my uh, students actually took oh that photo. nice like, see that's, that's cool. a way that's a way better testimonial than my too. own photo yeah that's yeah. true that's
2: true what's your student doing over at your house though with the owl <laughs> <laughs> okay my turn maz your turn <laughs> i don't know anyway okay so I-, I gotta go back to the spc i gotta tell you it's like the library of Congress. You're never going to get through every book. There's so many places. I don't know if you can see this. This is the mesoscale analysis, but you know, if you go up here, oh my goodness, there's so many things that you can pop up. It's insane. They have an experimental section. You want it, whatever it is you want to check out, you check it out. You want to check out severe weather. You got severe weather you want to check out climatology for oh hey let's pop up something over here you, you, wherever it is you want to go they've got something and I, I you know i think back in the olden days you know you just didn't have stuff like this you've got everything at your fingertips what an exciting time to be a meteorology student to be able to learn things whether it's you know three-dimensional you'd be able to overlay multiple things you want to go to winter weather precipitation type they've got all lake effects snow seasons i mean it's all right there at the snap of the finger so just my hat's off to the spc those guys are
1: funny. you know i i love i love maz how excited you get about anything that's no longer a grease board uh well yeah you know, from what you're used to that that's uh it's and you don't have to, to write
2: backwards you know which is really <laughs> nice ira joe fisher salute to you
3: I wonder if anybody's actually uh, drawing out their own fronts on a piece of paper anymore, and you know, doing any of that kind of work. You see, Kevin's giving me the old heads does. Up one.
4: They do. Yeah. And the
1: I've, I know people that do. That. It.
4: Yes, SPC does it every single day. That's how really, they really their maps. Absolutely every day.
3: Really, hey, eh? oh wow.
4: You're not just saying that. Not just saying that. True. Okay. <laughs> True statement. <laughs> Phil, what do you got?
1: Uh, so, so mine is a, a website as well, but what you can get at the website are the videos that are really outstanding. So I stumbled upon this on Twitter, uh, but it's at stormandsky.com. And this is actually a website uh, put together from chaser Mike Hollingshead. And w- what he's done is he's got Storm and, uh, Analysis 101 educational videos uh, that you can download. He's, he's just, it's 20 bucks. And to me, it was one of the best 20 bucks I've ever spent. There are 15 videos in all. In this uh, setup, 90 minutes worth of videos on intros to storm and storm structure and analysis. There's 127 minutes of historic storm setups. So he goes through a number of different storms that he chased, and so some of the videos are, are on the setup and how he planned for that and what he was looking for, what that you know storm before the day of was doing, and then there's 187 minutes of the storm chases so then he goes through and and chases the storm and he walks through what he did where he was and obviously shows what he saw which is amazing so you can get uh, all of this great educational video stuff 20 bucks you can download it this is stormandsky.com right on.
3: cool i like it excellent and uh, phil you're gonna have those links all up so that uh, people can
1: click right through to them I will, including Kevin. I think Kevin had one as well.
3: Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kev.
4: Sure, I do. Uh, Just like we talked earlier with decision triggers, the Event Safety Alliance. So eventsafetyalliance.org. That is a great place for information associated with the live event space. Uh, And there are some podcasts there as well uh, that are on weather decision triggers and how to make one and and those kinds of things. So eventsafetyalliance.org.
3: Excellent. Thanks so much, Kevin.
1: Yeah. Yep. So all those, uh, uh, agree, Greg, all those can be found on episode 91 show notes. You can go to stormfrontfreaks.com, uh, once the podcast is up and they will be there. Or you can also a lot of times now, just, uh, if you're listening to us on your phone on a podcast app, you can find those uh, show notes right there on your phone. So, all right, let's, uh, I'm going to go over to MJ. Send me a postcard, drop me a line. You've
3: got mail,
1: baby. Yeah. All right. Let's check our freak <laughs> fan box. So, yeah,
0: our freak fan box is empty. <laughs> Whoa. What yeah, the? Exactly. Our, Come our on, Shane. Are killing us. Big so, bottom lip. We want to hear from you. So, uh, tweet us some love at Stormfront Freak or maybe message us on Facebook, Stormfront Freaks. Uh, or, the old email questions at stormfrontfreaks.com. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Don't, jeez, Yeah. We feel, we, and we just added Greg to the show and we've got no mail to show for it. So, wow. but you know what will happen now having Kevin oh, yeah. on the show tonight and having Greg come on. Pour it's it's gonna pour, i'm not even gonna be able to keep up with it i'm sure so yeah you guys my, you.
3: my kids alone are gonna be uh filling the inbox
2: on that one uh MJ. <laughs>
0: awesome bring it we on we just
1: won't use their last name that's fine we'll just so
2: greg you're not related to anybody on the show right no okay just checking. no
3: hold on a second hold on a second Oh yeah, there I do. I see
1: it. Vin Diesel. <laughs> Looks just like Vin Diesel with glasses, right?
3: <laughs> Phil and I are practically brothers.
1: <laughs> well, on that note, I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast. We always want to thank you for listening or watching. Uh, before I reveal who our next guest is going to be, uh, we always enjoy it. If you enjoy our show, we love to hear about it, okay? Leave us a review on your podcast app, uh, written if possible, And then we'll share it on the next show in the Freak Fan Box. Uh, Or, uh, like MJ said, you can tag us on social media, uh, what you think of the show, and and we'll make sure that we share that. Uh, And also, don't forget to subscribe to the show. If you liked it, uh, make sure you get the latest episode delivered right to your podcast inbox the moment we update it and release it. All you got to do is subscribe to the show or follow the show from your podcast app, uh, and you will get that. Special thanks Tonight, to our guest, Uh, we had a great time with you, Dr. Kevin Claysell. Thanks for coming on, sir.
0: All right.
1: We had a great time, so thanks for doing that. Our next episode in two weeks uh, is November 14th. We are going to be with storm chaser Simon Brewer is going to be on the show, so we're looking forward to having Simon on. If you want to watch the recording live, you can do that on our YouTube channel Uh, Just look, uh, search Stormfront Freaks on YouTube. Uh, We will be broadcasting that again, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. That's November 14th. And I think that about does it. So for MJ, Maz, Greg, and Kevin, uh, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear, and we will catch you guys next time. Good night, everybody. Uh, Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about
4: the Stormfront Freaks podcast.